0: Hello, and we are live. I am Raul Ramirez with the Catch Wrestling Alliance, where we strive to keep real wrestling alive. I have a very special guest. When We're going to talk about a subject um, that we kind, of t- like we kind of talk about it um, from time to time, uh, especially with regards to catch wrestling, because catch wrestling in particular is considered to be more of a complete uh, martial art. It's just not necessarily like a striking style. It's a, a grappling style, but we have uh, techniques from standing to the ground, plus submissions, you know, as well as, you know, of course, our pins and stuff like that. Um, but we have a guest today who is implementing a lot of these principles uh, and using it to help a lot of people um, who are at risk, you know, of being targeted and attacked. Um, so we have uh, Casey Petrick, who is a Catch Wrestling Alliance, Uh, academy student but has uh, started uh, her own uh, organization called prairie community defense so everyone welcome casey and can you uh, kind of tell us a little bit about what you're doing and maybe even how you've incorporated catch wrestling principles into self-defense
1: yeah so so yeah i'm casey petrick uh prairie community defense i started a couple years ago uh after i was a victim of uh of an attack based on uh, myself being a transgender woman. Um, and I felt that uh, maybe I could help be another resource for people. Um, what, I, what I do is I like to take the principles of catch wrestling, such as like the takedown, the pin, the submissions for control, and I like to apply these to different self-defense scenarios that maybe don't necessarily apply to the sport, but I re- feel really can uh, help people dealing with situations just in their everyday lives, um, where they could be the victims of random attacks or even witnessing random attacks. In my case, there were plenty of bystanders around, but nobody felt that they were capable of reacting to the situation. Um, however, thankfully I was, <laughs> I was trained and, and capable of reacting uh, to, to my incident, which was, uh, an edged weapon, uh, being deployed on me to attack with. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So, um, can you, can you give us uh, a little bit more of the story? Because uh, I think a lot of people don't, or maybe they have some kind of different notions about, uh, street self-defense or something like that, where, um, online, you might see all these advertisements, or at least I see some, some advertisements where, uh, the, you know, a lot of times it's like some crazy or like some really aggressive uh, instructor showing like these really intense situations and every of course if you do get attacked um you know it's going to be intense but uh can you kind of give a little bit more of a description about what occurred
1: yeah so so in my situation uh you know the first big one that you always hear is you know running away is the is the best. So in my situation, I was on an underground LRT platform. Um, there were, uh, you know, dozens of people around. I don't have an exact count. Uh, there were trains on either side of me and uh, stairs on either side of the platform. Um, the person attacked me uh, for the way I was dressed. I was wearing a shirt that showed my midriff. I am a visibly trans transgender person um and you know they called me uh, hate slurs i won't elaborate too much on that but um they called me hate slurs and then uh i was i was basically forced to defend myself as they approached me um i had i had uh kicked them several times in a panic i kicked them twice uh and both of the times i was able to back up a little bit and use the benches on the lrt uh they then drew the edged weapon uh i kicked a third time um and then i backed up again and this time the attacker chose to back off and flee up the stairs uh with their with their uh bmx <laughs> that they had shouldered and um and that that incident, um, as I looked around, everyone had just stood in complete silence, and no one had uh, called for help or uh, attempted to really to really do anything. And for me, that was kind of a big deal. And I had been, uh, you know, at home, and I had been studying all these different grappling arts and martial arts, and that's how I had even you know known to keep that distance and for me you know it really exposed a lot of the myths uh that that, you know i had i had felt i could be dependent on um in self-defense and it really made me question you know the the realism of these scenarios and for me that brought uh that really brought um me you know more into more and deeper into my catch wrestling training and it also made me want to start showing, uh, my knowledge of what I was doing. And so, you know, I, I of course reached out, reached out to yourself to, um, you know, try and better myself and talk to you about, about spreading this, uh, this catch wrestling, because I felt it was a more realistic approach than this idea that, you know, you are always going to be choosing your battles, Mm -hmm. uh, than this idea that, you know, they will always have friends. In that situation, you would have thought that I would have been the one to have friends. You would have thought that that I would have been the one ganging up on that guy with all the people on the platform. That somebody there would have thought they were bigger and stronger than me. I'm sure there are people watching right now who are bigger and stronger than me. <laughs> you know, and and um, to me, it just it just really highlighted this need for that realism and um, and and that that ideas of, you know, somebody responding to hate-related incidences and giving people the tools to respond to hate-related uh, incidences.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. I think one of the things we kind of want to highlight with, with your story is that uh, we, there's countless news reports where it's, like, uh, different people getting attacked in different public areas and, like, really no one does anything. They just watch or even they'll, they'll film it. Uh, Which actually is is somewhat helpful in that, you know, like if this were to to go to court or whatever, at least you have some some video of what happened. Um, But still, there's like, don't expect anybody to help you. So you do have to kind of, uh, uh, you know, take that like, you know, you have to uh, like fend for yourself a lot of times in a self-defense situation. And you're not in the United States. So um, so for those so so for those. Americans who are people in the United States who are watching. Um, so in other countries, they don't have as easy access to firearms and stuff. So chances are, if there is some attack, there might be a, a some kind of blade uh, used, right? If not just like uh, punches and kicks, you know, strikes and stuff. So not everyone's gonna be able to uh, carry a gun with them. And so you have to, so in that case, in a lot of, in a lot of other countries i think people don't realize because it it's like guns are such a part of united states culture that um they don't realize that you might have to go hand to hand with somebody in another country right and so you're in canada and so i think this is this kind of like high, highlights probably for you like that you have mm-hmm. to be learning and training some, some kind of hand-to-hand style. Is that right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think, I think it's a huge thing that you need to be training some form of hand-to-hand style. I think regardless of what you're doing, the way that I look at wrestling in terms of combative arts is that it, it, if, if combat is a game of chess, you don't want to be moving your pieces just in reaction to your opponent moving theirs. You want to be playing your game. And if you are not a better grappler, if someone gets too close, you have to move away. You don't make that decision. You have to move away. If somebody uh, pulls a knife out in a situation, I think that it, you're not going to be boxing that person. Uh, it may, may, maybe you might. May, but in my opinion, I would I would like a better line, bottom line than that. And to me, that's where uh, catch wrestling comes in. And I think even even in the armed defense, because, you know, even being Canadian, I still talk to a lot of people in, in that regard. And I think that there is a lot that can be said about the time between um, the time between, you know that you can actually lethally engage someone and the time that you can draw your firearm if somebody is close to you and a better grappler than you, I think people have highlighted this and multiple YouTube channels talk all about this, mm-hmm. um, can take advantage of that situation and take your weapons or, you know, your, your fistful of keys or, you know, like you said, silly self-defense advertisements, right? The fistful mm-hmm. of keys, you were going to burst through that watermelon all of a sudden now they've taken advantage of that and they are, and they are, you know, going to use that fistful of keys against you, unfortunately. And I think that uh, for one thing uh, on the topic of fending for yourself, I think there's also the idea of, you know, expecting yourself to be able to fend for others. I think people sort of, they know these, these crimes exist and they expect that if they walked by a back alley and witnessed some heinous activity going on, that they would react. But I think the reality is that without some sort of training, especially something that builds aggression, like hand to hand, like not just, you know, plinking targets, it's, it's makes you much more likely to react to that scenario. I think it's very important to being able to react to that scenario.
0: Yes, yeah. And like, um, so for those, for so those people who never train, or even have like just minimal training, a lot of times like if if some situation escalates, they like this deer in the headlight, right, they just freeze. So that, that's another thing that people have to uh, be aware of that, uh, you know, since our day to day lives, you know, you, you might just go to work or go home and whatnot. So uh, a type of like a fight or something like that is stressful. And a lot of times people just freeze up. So um, it is important to, you know, kind of put yourself into this kind of stress, you don't you don't have to be in some kind of crazy aggressive uh, situation, but you you it it is good to kind of get yourself introduced to you know the training and so that you can actually react a little bit at least uh, if you were ever attacked or assaulted in some way.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's like you said, it doesn't have to be you know the most intense training ever like you talked about you know silly commercials and stuff like yeah what if you're sitting in a chair and somebody beats you up like this Ah, like you know it doesn't have to be the most intense uh training it can be uh a slow what i like to call desensitization uh you know a progression towards that right it can start with something as simple i think as just getting hit with a pool noodle or even uh and i say hit with a pool noodle because a lot of people won't even want to like touch their, their training partner when they first start, I find, especially Mm. coming from a a background of trauma or, you know, otherwise needing to train or feeling like they're going to be targeted. They'll Mm. have a lot of problems touching their opponent. So often we'll start with just touching the pool noodles and then sort of progressing from there if they're feeling like you know, that is that is overwhelming. And I think it's important to really meet people where they're at if you want to be able to realistically build this um this sort of confidence in people. Not even aggression so much as just like confidence to be able to, you know, defend themselves, especially
0: yeah do you feel that um your training in catch wrestling helped with at least like that initial aspect because a lot of times that that is the initial thing where you might be talking to someone someone might be trying to pick a fight with you or something like that but um is there some kind of catch wrestling principle that kind of uh, you associate with that kind of initial scenario
1: yeah absolutely i think that i think that the idea of game plans helps me a lot from catch wrestling and having like a good catch wrestling game plan and really understanding the use of, um, submissions for control as well. And understanding how that works, I think really helps me feel confident in these scenarios because I understand that, like, not only do I have, uh, an advantage in most takedown scenarios, because like we... Catch wrestlers are a sliver of a sliver in terms of the world of martial arts where most people are untrained and then of that, few people do grappling. And then even of that, a fewer portion are doing catch wrestling and wrestling as opposed to say, you know, submission wrestling or jiu-jitsu or at least from my yeah. understanding. Yeah. And I think that gives you a big advantage in self-defense because if you are someone who can dominate with the takedowns, And you're someone who can use these controlling submissions and positions that you are going to be able to to largely, you know, largely feel uh, confident going against even, you know, slightly larger opponents, especially, especially if they're untrained. Any trained person will tell you, though, you're you're feeling confident (laughs) against someone who's untrained. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I think the biggest thing for me is is. just knowing that I have that in my back pocket and as my sort of bottom line, that this is going to work anywhere. Like this is going to work whether I'm on the ground, whether I'm a pinned against a wall or against the floor, or, you know, these are things that are going to work in close contact. If this goes South, I have something I can do pretty much regardless of how South it goes. And I think that that's super important, you know, and that's, Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, no, no. It kind of made me think of like, um, uh, you know, there's. I've also done a lot of like the self defense training stuff, but um, you'll even go on YouTube and you'll see how the U.S. military uh, drills, like trying to like if you get someone down on the ground and you try to take their handgun away or their knife away or something like that. So uh, you you don't necessarily like if you grab someone's hand that's holding a weapon, you don't necessarily want to. pull them down on top of you right you probably want to have more of <laughs> a wrestling approach right where you're on top of them pinning down that that hand and seeing if you can't disarm them
1: yeah absolutely i think that's such a huge thing too and and like going for that you want to be in top position the whole time you want to maintain that dominance the whole time and you know, I sort of talk about this idea of conversations that happen in the same house, but not in the same room. Um, Everyone always talks about, you know, uh, forgetting that you have a knife on you. If you're the person with the concealed knife, you'll, you'll be in this situation. You'll forget about the knife on you. Hmm. Nobody ever talks about, okay, what if the attacker forgets they have the knife on you? Them until you know you you all of a sudden are are you know strangling them out in guard and then they remember you know or we one of these positions where you've given them bottom and all of a sudden oh right i have an advantage i have an edge that
0: mm-hmm. i can
1: use for leverage to get out of this position i would much rather just fight with sort of one methodology that is only going to very slightly changed if an edged weapon is brought into the scenario, because I feel the edge weapon is so likely, like, especially as a Canadian, it is so likely. It is so common. Um, or even like, you know, they have, they have like names like Winnipeg handshake and stuff for like broken beer bottles and stuff like, like, you know, these are very, very common tools. Another catch wrestling principle I think applies for self-defense is the ability to fight blind. The ability to be able to touch someone and sort of know where that part of the body is or even just based on their leverage of you um, knowing what part of the body you're holding is super useful in an environment um, like I'm from Edmonton and everyone here is is carrying bear spray bear spray and pepper spray are super common devices uh, that people will use and you need to be able to fight blind and I've seen people win uh blind fights using simple things like double legs um you know just getting them on the ground and ground impound pound them while they're completely blinded and i think that's a necessary uh thing to know in self-defense is how to fight blind and i i don't like in my self-defense i don't want to be someone who is who is switching. I don't want to be like 90% of my game plan is to, is to, you know, punch, kick, elbow, whatever. And then somebody pulls out a knife and then all of a sudden my game plan changes. I don't want to do that. I like catch wrestling because I can just keep doing my game plan all the way down, down the chain. And chances are it's going to work with very few, um, you know, differences. Like there's, obvious ones, like if somebody pulls out a knife, and you double leg, then they could stab you in the back, like stuff like that, but like, very, very small differences in the way that your your uh, wrestling game will function versus your self defense game, or what have you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you brought out a lot of great points, because um yeah, that that is the thing where it's and I think, well, talking about sport fighting, like MMA, or whatever. Uh, That's why I talk about like catch wrestling being one of the better base styles because uh, they're like, as opposed to amateur wrestling, where it's just focused on points and pins, uh, catch wrestling has no points uh, and you you still has the pins, but has the submissions kind of baked in as well. So um, there isn't this thing where it's like, oh, I I trained in amateur and then so then now I got to train in jujitsu, but then they're really opposite. Uh, so then it creates this confusion in, in the brain. So, um, I think that kind of goes to what you're saying, or it's like, if you have kind of catch wrestling, like as that base there, then, uh, you can always just, you can always easily add certain things and like maybe like elbow strikes or whatever, or, but it does have a lot of like, say grabbing the wrist and, you know, wrist control, uh, taking them down that way. And like how you said about fighting blind, it's super important. Um, and like by by touching the person yeah you can totally kind of like uh, uh, to detect what the rest of the body's doing uh but if you're just trying to box someone you know you're just touching them and then yeah how you said like what if you get sprayed you know and then all of a sudden you are blind and then if you if you can't close that distance then they could easily just you know hurt you very bad
1: yeah It's just one pivot away right like they they pivot and all of a sudden you've lost them if you don't have that contact right Mm -hmm. and the thing about boxing that any you know boxer will tell you is like you you got to take shots to to make these shots a lot of the times like you know you're counting on the fact that like this cross is going to counter this cross if i do it at a certain time Mm -hmm. but that doesn't apply if their cross is six inch longer and a knife, you know, Mm -hmm. like there are certain aspects that drastically change for some arts where I feel like in others it's, it's less of a, it's less of a, of a step. And I feel like that that can be a problem because it requires you to recognize that the knife is there for one thing in an edge scenario, which is knives are meant to be used, not seen is something yeah. like people talk about that all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You have to see it in order to react to it. But if yeah. my, if my goal was to double wrist lock someone, for example, and I get them down in a double wrist lock and they haven't drawn a knife yet and they draw a knife with the other hand and I don't even see it. And I just keep double wrist locking them all the way into, until their arm is basically broken and they're in a control position. I, I, whether I notice the knife or not, I'm probably safe. I'm probably going to be able to continue to control them and get away from there. It is not the same as if I am, you know, doing a game plan that, you know, is involving knocking them out in the third round and all of a sudden they pull out a knife in the first and, and like, that becomes a huge, huge issue of now, okay, now I have to, you know, deploy my, my one, specific move that i learned for this or my two specific moves or you know those four hours of training we did for knife defense or whatever it was uh you know that that specific art does for its self-defense i feel like it's very important if you're serious about wanting to disarm edge weapons in your self-defense that you have a game plan that sort of revolves around the idea that they're probably carrying a knife
0: yeah it's really great that you point that out because uh yeah and because yeah since i've had to travel to different countries and stuff it's like yeah people i think a lot of times americans don't realize like you might encounter a knife like elsewhere (laughs)
1: yeah no doubt (laughs) absolutely
0: Huh? Go for, go for it or right, go ahead. I was going
1: to say, like we do a lot of, uh, Prairie Community Defense has also partnered with an organization called NACM and we do uh, like harm reduction. So like safe use supplies, we cook hot meals, we hand out like sandwiches and stuff like that. And um, there have been, you know, situations where uh, I have had a a machete, uh, the length of somebody's forearm, you know, pulled on me and just like wiggled around and just like, mm-hmm hey you know i i i didn't freeze i was just thinking about what my move would be in my game plan i i knew that i'm probably going to get hit with a machete but i just (laughs) pulled out my pack of smokes and and he he calmed down and he was just having a bad day but um you know these are, these are moments where like, you know, I'm very, very glad that I, uh, I have that catch wrestling in my back pocket because, (laughs) you know, people, people talk about, oh, well, well, Casey, that's a, that's a machete. You're not going to be able to do anything against the machete without getting hit. And I just kind of like, think about like, yeah, have you ever seen, uh, you know, somebody with like 13 machete marks on them? Like I, uh, well, you know, I'll be glad I have something to do, you know, and not just houseplant in the event that I get hit with one mm-hmm. one blow. And I think that people who've lived through situations like that, they know what I'm talking about because like it's that's real. You need you need something to respond to in the event that you do, you know, get cut or whatever like people say.
0: Right yeah. Now. Yeah. There there is a so for those who don't know like there, there are better ways to protect, like your, like what, you, what you do want to protect would be like your arteries and stuff. So there are ways to stand and fight that um, uh, protect your arteries better. So yeah, chances are you will get cut, but you can get cut in a way where you don't bleed out and die. So it, so you can still win even against a machete. So um, yeah, I'm glad we kind of uh, were able to talk about that too because there's a lot of different uh aspects and like say like if you pay attention to uh news around the world or if you spend time watching all these crazy videos like because um, <laughs> then you'll, you'll you'll encounter these crazy crazy yeah even machete attacks in other countries because uh, m- machetes are used in farming you know so they're never going to be like illegal or anything like that because they're they're used like everywhere right? So. Um, they're a very practical tool and all that. So um it's really easy to for someone to get like basically like a a sort a broadsword. Right? <laughs> so so it, it's good to um I mean we should probably do some videos about uh ways to stand and stuff to protect your arteries and all that. Um yeah. It, the, but yeah, I mean you you can you can have that defense and then go in, you know, to close the distance with your with your catch wrestling and then like disarm the person.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, like, it, yeah, in Canada, for example, like, you can get like a 12 13 inch uh, fish fillet knife at the dollar store. So like for two bucks, you, you know, you walk out with something like really nasty, thin little, like fish fillet knife, like not very pleasant. But one thing I was going to touch on, and I think, you know, you're, you're very much, you know, big into the fight world. So this is a huge thing in combat sports is knockout potential. And we are talking about, you know, uh, realistic martial arts for, you know, smaller people versus bigger people. And mm-hmm. I think this applies doubly in edge martial arts when we talk about getting cut is how much knockout potential are you going to lose with every cut and how much knockout potential are you going to lose with every strike, especially as a smaller person? If you're a smaller person trying to knock out a bigger person, and this is what I mean by knockout potential, the potential of you incapacitating them with that strike is, small, is quite small to begin with, but it's going to get smaller and smaller as you get more exhausted from doing these strikes. I think the submission potential, I would call it, uh, is much greater the Mm. like for for a smaller person to be able to submit a bigger person i think it takes a lot less energy and i think it can be done even at like really late points in the fight because there are a lot of submissions where if you get into the right position you just sort of fall into it right and you're dropping like uh, it's too much like it's too much for the joint to handle because the if you're doing it correctly and i think that that's an important part of edge defense because if you're getting cut your circulatory system is now open there's less pressure you're losing that knockout potential fast and i think for smaller people like you don't have much to begin with and you're losing it fast if you're you know trying to hammer fist your way out or even even elbow your way out um you know it's hard for a small person to knock a big person out with their elbow uh you know even like you know i sure there are some people scoffing at that right now but i think it's hard as a small person who has fought big people i think it's hard
0: and well yeah and the, the thing you got to take into consideration <laughs> with that like um especially like uh being able to knock someone out a lot of times it's not it's not just your arm moving right it's like that whole waste you know be, getting your body behind that move and if you're so even if you're ground and pounding someone uh, you, you can even see it at MMA where it's like a lot of times the, the when you're on top of them you don't really have that wind up so much. Uh, so you, they're like the people who, who are getting ground and pounded are basically getting these little rabbit punches you know these little taps even if it's elbows you know maybe um, you know they'll bleed or whatever but a lot of times the if they're stu- if they're pinned right and and they just take too many punches the ref stops it. It's not like they get knocked out right
1: yeah All
0: Right. so uh, i think that's kind of like maybe to give a illustration as to what you were talking about um so yeah that even at, at those times you know you're even though you maybe if you were in a sports situation you would have gotten the tko but there's no ref that's going to stop it and say like hey you you won right
1: yeah there's no ref that's going to stop that guy from taking a five minute break and then getting back up either and I think, I think that's that's something that, you know, I, uh, I was watching a fight breakdown and the guy made like a cheeky comment about that. He's like, oh, you know, this is the street, so there's no ref to push them together. And I think that that's something that that a lot of people don't think about is if the big person is determining the pace of the fight because they are controlling the footwork because you have to control your range, you have to keep your range, you don't want to grapple with them. So that big person basically controls where the fight goes. Um, that becomes a huge issue for for you in the long run because they're just gonna be able to drain your stamina and rest.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you know, that that could be a huge, huge issue uh in the long run. Because I think that's a great thing about the sport of catch wrestling. And one of the things I love about the sport is uh, you know, the the clock goes up as it were, right? Like <laughs> yeah. and I think it really highlights the idea that like okay, try doing those 40 rabbit punches and then, okay, that was 10 minutes into your fight. Okay, well, that fight's going to be over in 20 minutes. (laughs) So let's see how that feels in 20 minutes. Let's see how many more of those you can dish out to make that guy give up as he basically rests. Mm -hmm. Because you're either seriously damaging your opponent or, you know, like, it's like, I like the chess metaphor because in chess, sometimes people just move around the board. They just move their pieces for the sake of moving their pieces. And I think that that's sometimes what, what some of this uh, you know vital target striking ends up becoming is sort of like you're not going anywhere. But like you said, you can see it in MMA. Oh, the ref would have stopped in. Well, there's no ref. So unless you're actually damaging that person, your energy is being used on that. Is it a worthwhile investment in the long run? You know.
0: Yeah. No, I think these are great points for people to think about. So hopefully uh, the audience is enjoying it. Um, so maybe we can uh, see what kind of what kind of hate comments we got in the in the <laughs>
1: <chat>. <laughs> yeah, no doubt.
0: Yeah, this is good. I'll, I'll pull up the chat here. Actually, there are a lot of comments. So um,
1: oh wow, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, a ton. So uh, let me. Uh, I let, so controversial. Me, yeah. So i I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go to the beginning. Uh, so, uh, few people saying hi, which is cool. So Palash, hi. <laughs> um, Palash believes that strength is needed. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, I think that strength is a part of things. But I think in terms of the, the pyramid, you need your uh, technique beats everything. Because mm-hmm. timing beats everything. And I have fought people while I was on an estrogen program and they were openly taking testosterone, a lot of cool dudes I've wrestled with who, you know, they, they like their, they're not, they're no competitors. They're not cheating. They just like their steroids and that's cool. And we've wrestled and yeah, like, you know, I, I think strength is, uh, it can be a little overrated. I will say, I will say that, but I think that, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, th- I think that kind of makes sense, and that's one of the things about catch wrestling where, uh, you know, back in the heyday, there was no time limit, so uh, s- tiring the other person out uh, was a strategy because you know, like at the world championship level, you got two guys that were at the same um, like skill level, so then you have to uh, employ the tiring out kind of uh, strategy, right? But also, too, I I also I, I believe that fighting is kind of like this great equalizer. So like whoever has the better skill and know-how, um, uh, you know, will, will probably win, right? And hopefully they don't gas out, right? If it takes too long, right? But um, that's kind of the like my, my perspective. Yeah, so do you have any uh, other comment? Or oh, we well I to... say, yeah, mm-hmm. I was
1: just going to say that like, you know, people don't, um, you know, people don't usually make these comments about other sports. And I think that like, you know, if people were like, the people you know you could say the same thing about basketball right like if you don't have good strength in basketball you're not going to be as good as basketball you're not you know you know if you don't have you're not going to be able to think as well if you don't have that you know strength for basketball and that endurance for basketball but nobody's you know sort of telling basketball players like you know the key to your basketball game is that you're strong you know Mm. (laughs) like it, it tends to be just a thing that people say for fighting so yeah no i was just gonna say like it's Technique. You you get good at what you train for. What you train is what you what you get good at. You get good yeah. at what you practice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Anyway, I think we're seeing it too a lot, and even like now, there's a lot of pro nogi matches, and uh, they're doing like these absolute stuff, and uh you are seeing like some. I oh, would say like a one example would be like Lachlan Giles, or it's a kind of a small man from Australia, like just submitting like these huge guys like with leg locks. it's pretty cool to to watch. All right, let me go ahead and see what... Uh, you, there are so many comments, actually. So, so uh, let me see. So Mr. Mr. So I'm not a trained grappler, and I watched a video series of catch wrestling. I did pretty well against BJJ blue belts up to black belts using only what I saw in videos. Oh, great. Yeah, so I think that kind of shows, or that helps to validate, not only will it help in sport, but it can help in self-defense because like, just with what minimal training from... Mr. Mr. And all of a sudden, Mr. Mr. is like uh, dominating in the jiu-jitsu gym. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt.
0: Martin Valenzuela. uh, Greetings, Coach Raul. Greetings to you too, Martin. Uh, Shinhee E. So good morning. How are you? How are you? (laughs) Shinhee is in... um, is in New Zealand, which is really cool. So thanks for watching all the way from New Zealand. Alistair Morris. We oh, don't know hello. who that is. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Hello, hello,
1: hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Alistair says, thanks for sharing your story.
1: Oh.
0: Let me see. Uh, let's see. So there's a little commenting back and forth in there. But let's see if there's any other other questions. Mr. Mr. said, I didn't say I dominated a black belt. <laughs> oh, I, just I, know. Said, I, I just said I did well against a few of them. So a few of them. That's great. Um, doing well meaning they could not submit me. Wow. Great. Great.
1: There were several black belts who just like a blood vessel burst in their eye right now, and they don't know why.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, just, they're just lying. They're just lying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shoot. Let's see. Well, while you get set back up the it said Mr. Mr. added to his story, <laughs> like the only experience I had was rolling with blue belts at that time, using only the stuff I learned. And so I guess now he's just like destroying everybody. I okay, would <laughs> we'll say he's, Mr. Mr. is destroying everybody, but he's not getting submitted, which is pretty amazing. And actually, that's how I got into catch wrestling, because I had more of the Chinese martial art background and even doing Chinese wrestling. And then uh, I was a, a student at UCLA and we had a wide variety of martial arts in our gym. And, uh, you know, just tr- taking all these different martial art classes. Uh, uh, like when I was doing jujitsu, um, like the, kind of a similar situation where it's like they have a real difficult time uh, trying to submit me and all that. So then I was thinking, like, there's got to be something more. Than just jujitsu because jujitsu, you know, of course, was like mainstream and everyone was loving it. So tried it out, but then, you know, there there, I I realized that there had to be something else. And so then I kept searching and then found catch wrestling.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no
0: doubt. I got a I got a humble brag here because Martin Valenzuela said Raúl is a great catch wrestling coach. Martin, he lives in California, and uh, he has come to take my class, but he's kind of far from LA. So hopefully, he can come more often. Uh, let me see. So Jonathan Jimenez, the leg locks, uh, does even the playing field. So Casey, do you incorporate some leg lock stuff and and when you train oh, people yeah. for self defense?
1: Oh, yeah. Toe holds. Toe holds for days. Toe holds are absolutely, like, so necessary, I feel like, as a control position, as a dominant position. I feel like I definitely do them, like, in a very uh, principled principled way, meaning that, like, I usually do them from top position. I'm not someone who will, like, grab the leg and, like, fall back for an Achilles or something like that. Mm -hmm so it's very much all about control and getting to better positions and like working for that, either that pin or that like belly down position, but a really controlled belly down position.
0: Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I kind of agree with uh, that point of view because um, say like, you know, I I train here and with the with especially I like rolling with a buddy of mine who's pretty well known for leg lock. So I don't I don't necessarily want to play that game (laughs) because because uh he he knows like all these like counter moves and all that so i'd rather uh if i if i attack him with a leg lock it it wouldn't necessarily be the one where i'd like maybe i i grab the achilles and then i fall back because i'm you know i'm kind of i'm leaving my feet in front of his hands so yeah yeah, even if it's like a tight you know hold of my legs you know there's there's so many counters and if you're practicing all these counters then um, you know you better chance that you'll employ them so against someone who's like more of a beginner maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'll be more cavalier and like just go for it but against the experienced person um then I, I might not I might not just fall back like that because I feel like I'm just leaving my feet there for them
1: totally I was gonna we I sort of you know just jokingly passed that guy's point but It it is pretty believable in that, like, you know, especially at a blue belt level, you know, like maybe like four or five submissions. Now, you know, like probably 10 variations of each one, but by and large, a lot of those are blocked the same way. A lot of those are blocked by stacking, S gripping your hands or some, you know, variation of that and then starting to work your way and then starting to work your way out of that. And if you don't leave yourself open, and you know you're willing to just sort of like be in there and block it is very hard to like it is very hard for especially at the blue belt level i would think for somebody to be able to deal with someone who just knew to you know elbows in tight s grip in tight head kind of keeping pressure you know yeah stuff like that because i've had that experience definitely against people who i think were just like genuinely better than me but i just knew that like oh this is a triangle or like mm. oh this is the arm bar oh this is you know the um uh not an imanari
0: they call it the you kimura. Know what I'm about. no
1: no no not the kimura uh the omoplata, oh, the omoplata oh, yeah. Plata. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Omoplata. that's that's the one i was talking about mm. yeah. yeah like like just recognizing those and being able to just like have your posture in tight enough and be like tight and good in your stance like uh you know stance is to block the things you don't see coming so if you're a beginner and uh, you don't see anything coming and you're just in your stance like yeah it's pretty believable you could block a lot of you know even intermediate to high level attacks on on those people
0: Yep, I agree. Because you know, if you're at a, a decent school, I mean that the, they're teaching you defense like from day one. So yep. yeah, let me see. So Mr. Mr. the black belt slayer is commenting. <laughs> he says I never did beat a black belt, so so it's not slaying, you're exaggerating.
1: <laughs> yeah, <he grabs> you. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, he's yeah, exactly. He's, he's I just prevented them from subbing me. So Mr. Mr. is now Changing the the handle to Black Belt Slayer. Black We're gonna call belt. you the Black Belt Slayer. But I'm just kidding.
1: Yeah. Next time, arm drag, grab the black belt, and then strangle him with. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with <it. Jeez. laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Black Belt Slayer. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he got kicked out of a jujitsu school because of too much leg locks. Yeah, the, there must have been like a IBJ, IBJJF school that's, that's that's kind of insane because yeah when i was teaching at one um uh, they they actually brought me in because there was a gi mostly school and then they asked if i could teach one of the no gi class one of the two nogi classes in the week uh but even the students were like is this like legal for ibj or for my belt level and it's like All right serious
1: is this is this legal (laughs) first of all lower your voice no
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's it it is kind of weird how it's like they get into this mindset or i I was actually kind of shocked when they asked that
1: it's funny because you know i've been to i've seen totally different cultures where i went to one gym and they were cross-training taekwondo and bjj and the single leg takedown they did you actually had to hold the back of your partner's head at the mm. at the white belt level mm. um so that their their head wouldn't bounce off the floor and i went in there and i totally thought it was a, a can opener setup uh, like my <laughs> so i took my partner down and i was like yeah can opener and the coach is screaming at me so you know like the, the cultures can be so varied I, I went to another gym and uh i put a uh, just a simple Achilles lock, a standing Achilles on a, a blue belt. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was an MMA gym. And then the MMA guys were like, oh, dude, you're in the wrong skill level. Come over here. And then they proceeded to neck crank me a bunch of times. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, the cultures can be so dramatically different from gym to gym, I, f- I find, at least.
0: Yeah, no, very, very true. Very true. All right, let's. Uh, wow, wow this this live stream uh, got tons and tons of comments. Let me see. Uh, this, well, I'll scroll down a little bit more. Martin Valenzuela says, "I agree. Strength is just a part of everything. Oh, it's just a part, not everything." Okay. Um, Let me scroll down a little bit more. Yeah, there's so many comments. Let me see. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Jimenez, old school UFC rules. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, why? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly.
1: <laughs> a fish. How come? <laughs> Yeah. On the podcast i'm sticking my finger in my cheek uh. <laughs>
0: yeah oh yeah for those of you uh, yeah for those of you just watching the live stream, whether on uh, uh youtube or twitch uh we also uh, have a audio live stream so that it will probably be available uh soon after soon after we, we we're done with this um let me see shin I love my toehold. It's everywhere. And catch wrestler knows their that way better than far better than others when it comes to leg locks. Oh.
1: Yes. I when I when I really enjoy on um you know people people uh, trying like reverse triangles and stuff like that is like the like overhooking toe holds. If mm-hmm. there are any cat wrestlers watching right now and know what I'm talking about, they're probably just like, "Yes, get those all the time."
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 oh, totally. Like um, just that. Then, yeah, where you kind of break it over your your shoulder or something. Yeah, yeah,
1: like a cat. It's like a, almost like a calf slicer on the back of the neck.
0: Yeah, like very, people yeah.
1: Too cozy, putting their feet up there for their you know rubber guards or what have you. Like that's always. That's always with oh, you. Totally.
0: Yeah, you can even work that if uh they're in half guard or whatever, you just grab their other leg and you can try to <laughs> break, it, break it over.
1: Just make a new necklace. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jonathan Jimenez double wrist locks are happening all the time all over the world as we speak. <laughs>
1: yes. What time is it? Double wrist lock o'clock.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Someone, uh, darn, I'm sorry. I, I pass, oh, Taquero Man 91. I would love to visit too, I live near Riverside. So, Riverside is not too far from Los Angeles. So, drive on over because we have a, a freeway that connects us. Mm. Um, wow, so many comments. <laughs> I'm going to have to scroll a little bit more forward. So, I'm sorry if I. But if, if you asked a question or whatever, and then we we don't get to it. But yeah, there are a lot. I'm really happy that people are commenting.
1: Yes. Thanks, everyone. If we don't see your comment, we still love you. Thanks for commenting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Let me see. I believe so Shinhee, I believe that as well. I still call it double wrist lock in the in the jujitsu gym because I believe catch wrestler did it far better than any BJJ guy did.
1: Yes. You just you never you never stop calling it a double wrist lock. It's a matter of principle. When you talk about um, catch wrestling principles and self-defense, that's that's the big one is you can't mm-hmm. call it a Kimura yeah exactly yeah and and in this
0: case too it's like uh we had a, a name for this technique in english you know, that, you know before kimura right so it's like let's just keep it at its proper name you know
1: <laughs> yeah totally and he was a and he was a judo guy anyway so he he would have called it a judo guys sounding off in the comments right now, telling me what it's called, they know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. It could, it could be, um, it could also too, cause like I know in Chinese um, they call double wrist lock, a double wrist lock actually, cause it's called uh, like pair wrist lock, right? So anyways, you know, basically it's a double wrist lock. So um, I'm not sure if that's the way it's written in Japanese too, but you know, potentially. But I thought that was cool because they're not, you know, that they're not saying Kimura or whatever. They're actually calling it what we call it in English, but just you know, in Chinese language, in Mandarin. That's interesting. Yeah. So Jonathan Jimenez, neck cranks are so hype. There's there's a reason why it's hype because uh, they're very effective. <laughs> the, yes. the one thing that's weird because that, we did make a, a post, like we just shared on social media, a post mentioning neck cranks, and then almost always you get some not necessarily hate comments but people are like oh, i was neck cranked and it hurt me for weeks or i'm really scared of neck cranks and so yeah there's a there's a be scared guys please <laughs> stay yeah, scared no doubt.
1: <laughs> no doubt we need a we need to start like a GoFundMe me for like the victims of neck cranks <laughs> put them like flies on their face and stuff like we'll yeah yeah, be a good idea. <laughs> that was totally a crank, and then it just like zooms in on their face, like.
0: <laughs> you buy them a, a nice pack for.
1: <laughs> yeah, no job. Yeah. Some tiger bomb
0: <laughs> Let me say, uh, Shinhee, I am training at a Hiva school. Uh, whenever I'm in De guard, I see toe holes and heel hooks and calf slicers. It gets me to think that the guard is useless against a leg locker. Interesting. Interesting. But there, there, there have been, there's one match that I was thinking of where it was actually Craig Jones uh, versus um, uh, Boogeyman from 10th Planet. And he, so Craig used, so any 10th Planet person will probably try to use leg locks. Um, but Craig Jones entered using De Hiva Guard and uh, got like a straight ankle lock on Boogeyman. So um, there's still a potential, right? So, like, yeah. Don't uh, just discount, especially in sport, you know, sport jujitsu, like don't necessarily discount the other techniques because if you're, uh, if you just let them, like have play their game, then yeah, you'll probably lose or you get submitted or something.
1: I think that's so important. And I think it's like an intermediate to advanced concept too, the idea of like um, fighting cultures when it comes to like predicting your enemy's game plan. And like, I, I mean, that sort of on a micro scale, not even like nationally, like, like, for example, like the guillotine. Everyone was like, oh, you'll never get me with a guillotine. Nobody high level gets tapped out with a guillotine. And then that's how it was for a few years. And then all of a sudden, everyone starts getting tapped out with guillotines again. So like with anything like this, you really got to take it with a grain of salt because right now you are doing what seems like a uncommon attack, but it will become a common attack because it's so good. And then it, you know, it, it the cycle goes on, right? And it's just mm. like the guillotine where. You know, it was you know seen as this thing that like only new people do. It's so easy to counter, you know, a lot of da da da. But then again, you see people winning championships with with it, um, you know. So it's it's just one of those things.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. It's kind of like uh, trends and stuff too that kind of happen. So like right now in nogi, it's like leg locks are just so popular. Yep. so i wonder uh, how long it'll be the trend or you know if things because th- that that is one thing that um, i was thinking about yesterday when i was teaching where um you'll have someone say like uh, the guy's name is kennedy maciel so he's the son of this really famous uh jiu-jitsu practitioner they call him cobrina who won he's like one of the only people who won all five major world grappling tournaments in the same year and um, um anyway his son is competing now and their school is more gi oriented and not so much like leg lock oriented but kennedy is competing now in nogi and he's kind of using like the whole kind of old-fashioned like pass the guard type of uh uh like method or like game plan and he's he's yeah. actually winning yeah, he doesn't necessarily win every match, but I think he wins the majority just kind of like by even trying to stay on top, keeping top pressure, trying to pass that guard. Um, I think he's kind of using a lot of energy sometimes to just like really squeeze that person to see if he can't pass that guard. But I mean, um, you're definitely not seeing him go for, like say he's not looking like Lachlan Giles, even though he's like a smaller uh, competitor. He's yeah. not like, he's not doing all these things.
1: Totally. He's not doing that like, that sort of like, you know, give up and flow sort of mentality that's like so common in like, you know, I guess what people call modern jujitsu, where it's just sort of like, if something doesn't work, you just stop and you just move to the next thing. I think Mm -hmm. in that like old school mentality, it's like, if something doesn't work, it's probably making them tired. So just do you know, wait a little bit and see what happens, right? Wait for an opening.
0: Yeah Yeah, so maybe if we have, maybe if someone like Kennedy, uh, inspires others, right? Or, or some people feel like, oh, this, this leg lock game is like a little too difficult for me to to master. Then they'll go back to um, like passing guard and stuff like that. So there might be uh in a year or two or something, maybe that trend away from leg locks again, and then maybe in a few years it'll trend back and all that.
1: No, definitely.
0: Yeah. well we have a we have a royal decree from Mister Mister the. Black Belt Slayer, all the com- <laughs> all the comments started after I said that I did well against some BJJ Black Belts. And then the other guys, oh, you murdered 79 Black Belts in one night. You're a Black Belt Slayer. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Thank you for gracing us with the comment, Mr. Mr. The Black Belt Slayer
1: yeah exactly signs the signs the black belt slayer maybe at your gym all the doors are bike locked shut like watch out
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh shinhei the ude garami is a double wrist lock in japanese
1: yes exactly
0: oh yeah delmer jr a good good point because uh this has been going on for a while, so who is your guest? Do you want to say your name, guest?
1: Oh, yeah. I am Casey Petrick of uh, Prairie Community Defense. I am a uh, transgender woman, a uh, diabetic who has struggled with poverty and addiction and likes to help marginalize people. Uh, using self-defense and a bunch of other different concepts, but my main uh, self-defense concepts that I use are from Catch Wrestling. I'm also a Catch Wrestling Alliance Academy student. I highly recommend the program uh, to anyone who's interested in learning or defending themselves or their community.
0: Yeah, great, great. That was a really great uh, introduction. I I think we just kind of, like, time just kind of flew, so I forgot to kind of like let people know or do a little recap of who we were talking to. Uh, But is there any, um, like, do you have like a website or anything. Or... Oh
1: Yeah, yeah, please check out um, I have an Instagram, I have a Facebook page as well. Uh, I also have a link tree and a Patreon. But the Patreon we have our uh, video library, we do a group class, we do a little book club, if you're interested in some of the more niche topics, maybe somewhat related to community defense. Last time we did uh, tracking humans, and we talked about volunteer uh, missing persons groups. So it's, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> so something out of this world. Uh, check out the Patreon, the Instagram, or the Facebook page.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like, so for, for people to, uh, kind of, I guess, to put it a different way where it's like, so Casey's actually uh, kind of like in the community, like, you know, with people who, like, or you're in situations, or like you deal with realistic self-defense that, you know, it, it, these situations can happen anywhere but you're kind of in the middle of it like or you're, you're like you're in there
1: yeah absolutely absolutely i mean a lot of what i do i talked about earlier about you know some of what we call our mutual aid work um we go to like the roughest areas uh we have an urban river valley so like a woods in the middle of a city and people are camped out there and they're often shuffled around and we go and make sure those people have food we um you know, strength is the key to that because, like, damn, we're yeah. in water and stuff like that, and you know, it's, uh is quite intense. But also, I have experienced a lot of these situations uh, myself with hate-related incidences because of the way I dress, because of the way that I look, um, and yeah, I often find myself just out being a pedestrian in downtown Edmonton. You know, seeing lots of incidences that, you know, require some form of uh, mostly verbal intervention, but just, you know, being there, and you know, trying to, uh, trying to, you know, better the community that way.
0: Great, I'm sure many people appreciate you just going in there to help. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy you're doing that. And I'm happy that uh, Catch Wrestling helps to, um, you know, make you feel more confident in your work as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's an absolutely a massive part of what I do. So I'm always, I'm always glad to, uh, I'm always glad to be a part of this and to be a part of the Catch Wrestling Alliance Academy. It's, uh, it's a huge deal. It's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. So thank you.
0: Oh, good. Well, thank you for being here. So if anybody's interested in, uh, becoming a catch wrestling student and you're not like in L.A. or whatever, then, you know, just go to our website, catchwrestlingalliance.com. If anybody wants to support our channel here on YouTube, uh, you can um, also support us. There's uh, different uh, ways you can become a member. If At the medium tier, you can get access to a lot of extra videos that we have there. Um, So there's a lot of great things that um, that we can try to offer that, um, you know, to to thank you for your support so you can become a member here at the at our, at our YouTube channel or you can uh, join if you want to be competing or if you want to know uh, authentic catch wrestling you can go to our website catchwrestlingalliance.com and so what we'll do also is we'll link to Casey's uh, organization Prairie Community D- Defense in the description also so um, you can find casey's organization as well so we'll probably link to the patreon right that might be the best one
1: yeah that would be fantastic thank
0: you okay yeah send me the link to that and then we'll i'll make sure to put it in in the description so awesome. hopefully it's so like if someone's listening to the podcast or whatever that it'll be easy it should already be there
1: perfect perfect
0: oh, all right. right so i think we had a really great discussion that we actually went over an hour already so um, you know people can um, still make comments uh, if you want or um, uh, you just let us know what you want us to be talking about and then we'll, we'll try to uh, you know continue with having interesting guests so I'm really happy that um, you know this this seems to go well I'm happy that everyone seems to be really happy in the the comments and there's kind of a love fest going on uh, being Aww. led by being led by Mister Mister, the 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 black belt slayer. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Now that you have dethroned the the BJJ black belts, your next task <laughs> is dethroning <laughs> toxicity. Here you go, <laughs> Awesome.
0: Cool. All right, so we'll go ahead and uh, end it here. So. Thank you, Casey. And thank you to everyone who supports us because we, you all together, help keep real wrestling alive. Thanks again.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me on.